very special bonus episode of Quiz at Play. Uh, if you listen to episode five, which if you didn't, fucking do it now. Um, Go and do you it. Would've, you would have heard it. that we teased that this was going to happen. Uh, I am your host for this bonus episode. My name is Ruben. I am joined, as ever, by Mark. Hello. And Will. Meow, meow. So this episode, um, we thought that we would look back over the last generation in what with the Xbox One and the PS5. No, Xbox Series X. Fucking bollocks in Christ, Microsoft. And the PS5 (laughs) being so close. Uh, In fact, at time of recording, Xbox Series X and Series S are due on Thursday from now, which is terrifying. A week today. Um, So we thought we'd look Tuesday, Ruben. It's out on Tuesday. I thought it was out on Thursday. It's out on Tuesday. It's the 10th. It's Tuesday the 10th. And then it's the PlayStation is out the following Thursday. That might be where you get in Thursday. Okay. Or is or or the PlayStation is 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 the Thursday next Thursday the PlayStation is in the US and certain markets. So um, I've done all my research on this generation, but when it comes to next generation, I know shit all. Don't ask me about the Series X or the PS5. I know nothing. Um so it's been an interesting generation. What Wikipedia, the um upstanding source of information that it is refers to as the eighth console generation uh, began in 2012 with the launch of the wii u with the ps4 and the xbox one launching the following november in 2013 brought with it loads of different weird new wonderful gaming things so vr finally properly took off uh well of sorts um asymmetric gaming what with the wii u and obviously mobile games have started taking off in a similar sense 4k um obviously we saw console increments as well so like the ps4 pro and uh the uh xbox one s so the smaller um and more affordable models as well as the more expensive more powerful models so it's been it's been a generation and also eight years is a long fucking time yeah um so we thought we would go back talk about our favorite games of the last essentially the last eight years uh we did have a couple of ground rules i'll go through the ground rules very quickly first um first of all only wii u ps4 and xbox one games from the past eight years so no no handhelds no pc games and no nintendo switch because but just just based on a technicality that that was kind of a mid-generation it's it's it was designed to go across two generations it is. It's counted as part of the eighth generation, but I think it's kind of eighth and ninth. So, uh, and I, I, I believe we all agree on that. I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think lots of the, I mean, lots the, of the, of the Wii U games. Oh. Sorry, I was going to say at the end I... of the day that the, the Switch is still going on. It's not. It's yes. not ended. Yeah. yeah. True. Or ending anytime soon. Um, and and a lot of what's good on the Switch, you know, there's a lot of ports that we're gonna we're gonna be able to mention if we want to because you know they were on the Wii U first. Good, good. Yeah, that's a good point. And then the only other rule, really, games since 2012, because obviously the Wii U came out in November 2012, so really what technically denotes a game of this generation is a game from November 2012 to November 2020. So, um, so like, no further ado, might as well get the fuck into it. Which one of you wants to go first with your first pick? 
Go ahead, Will. Okay, okay. So I'm going to pick one that um, I assume I'm going to get broad agreement on from the entire group. Um, I am going to start with Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers um, because it's amazing and I love it. And um, I started Final Fantasy XIV in the Shadowbringers era and I've now played about one and a half thousand hours. So um, if that doesn't merit it being a game of the generation, I don't know what does, frankly. Yep. Well, I'm certainly uh, not going to get any uh, disagreement here for that choice. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, anybody who who follows us on Twitter or has, in fact, listened to the podcast or listens to your streams know that we all are big Final Fantasy XIV players to some degree or other. And we've certainly all played through Shadowbringers. Yeah, and and Shadowbringers, you know, Final Fantasy XIV was, was good and then great last generation and then it feels like from this generation it has again been good and then even greater you know shadowbringers is is astonishing what they've achieved yes um, and i think you know story wise it's amazing settings wise it's amazing um, and what soken has done with that that soundtrack i mean good god yeah i mean i put i i put final fantasy 14 on my on my top 5 as well um so um as a just just for my own kind of internal clock sake, so Final Fantasy fourteen, A Realm Reborn, came out in twenty thirteen, of which it came out on PS three. It mm. followed. Uh, it, it it was released on the PS four. Then the ne- the next year, uh, and since then, all of the expansions have been on PS four, uh, with the last one being on PS three, being Heavensward. Yes, and that's Stormblood correct. Onwards was PS four only. Um, and the reason, like personally speaking, that I put this onto my list is I've only been playing Final Fantasy fourteen since 2018. So I've only been playing it for two years, but it's defined so much of my, of these last two years. <laughs> um, all the new friends I've met, the, the fan fests, the, uh, the London fan event that uh, Will, myself and uh, Gavin, uh, my partner, all went to. Um, it's it's been so much of an integral part of my gaming life for those two years that for me to not put it on here would have been a massive disservice, mm-hmm. regardless of how long of this generation I'd been playing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was so reasonably certain that one of you two would pick this game that I didn't put it on my list. But that's really the only reason why <laughs> why it didn't appear on my shortlist. I was just one final thought as well to finish. You know, I often have people say to me that um, they're interested in Final Fantasy fourteen, but they don't want to start playing it because they're worried that they'll just play it lots and they won't play other games. And then I go, but, you know, why is that necessarily a bad thing? Because the reason that we all play Final Fantasy fourteen as much as we do is because it's fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. We've not spent, I've not spent one and a half thousand hours playing a game that I don't enjoy. Um, I love it. I love it to pieces. And yeah, and it will be in my life for a long, long time to come. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. So, Mark. Yes. Your first pick, if you will. I am going to put forward Horizon Zero Dawn. Ooh. Which is, for me, was just... A phenomenal game. I loved, I loved the the post post apocalyptic setting, 
the the graphics were fantastic the character of Aloy was brilliant um just everything about that scenario was great i loved the combat it was challenging um and uh i think it did a really good job of forcing you to come up with different strategies um you know a lot of those kinds of open world games it's very very easy to fall into the i'm just going to use this one attack or this one strategy against everything and i think uh zero dawn did a really good job of forcing you to always be thinking about different strategies for different types of enemies um yeah and i it just it just looks phenomenal seeing that game for the first time on a ps4 pro in hdr is just it was just unbelievable it is a breathtaking game on ps4 pro uh not that it isn't on standard ps4 but uh yeah like like you i i think i saw it on it was a gameplay demo that was being shown at egx or something one of the game events and they were showing horizon zero dawn played on a ps4 pro and i was like i cannot believe that this looks even better than it does on the ps4 it looked absolutely amazing um and to bounce off what you said about the gameplay as well the thing i loved most about horizon zero dawn in terms of gameplay is not only did um not only did it obviously encourage different strategies um to deal with different things but there were so many different strategies yes um, at, that you never felt like so if, if you if you wanted to go through and mostly deal with everything via stealth there was that option for you if you wanted to go in gung-ho all guns well all bows blazing i guess and just decimate everything with like explosive and disruptive arrows you could do that too there were so many options if, if you wanted to possess one of the dinosaurs and have them fight for you that was also an option there were so many options and how you tackled every single combat encounter mm-hmm and I think I think the revel- revelation in the story of what happened in this world is so well done as well. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd say like quite a lot of the story aspects were really well done in that game. I mean, um, the idea that like the ruins you're exploring are a relatively modern society, mm-hmm. just obviously far in the past. Um, so like you're you're walking around office blocks. And stuff like that. It's um, it's 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 sending a very very eco-critical message. Yes, without it being so heavy-handed. Definitely. I've not played Horizon Zero Dawn still, so that's why I'm not chipping in. Um, if if we were doing a list where I had to put games of the generation that I've I've skipped, but know that I still need to go back to, it would be high up there. Um, which yeah. I guess is its own accolade. Yes, I mean it, I. I... Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think with with for for all three of us with these games, um, you know, we're not necessarily saying that these <laughs> are absolutely the best games of the generation. But you can only pick the games you've played, and between the three of us, you know, we only have a limited gaming budget and a limited gaming time to have played, mm. you know, whatever games we've played. So there, you know, there are definitely going to be great games that that are missed from from our lists just because none mm-hmm. of us happen to have played them. Mm-hmm. Or if we have, there's just it. It needs to account for taste as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the reason why there's going to be some crossover, but I would say that, ma- ma- like majority speaking, most of our lists are going to be different. Um, because what we denote, what we each denote as a good game, is 
is different. What we each denote as a game that's kind of defined our gaming for the last generation is going to be different. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's it's obvious. That's that's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen. So, Ruben, what's your what's your first pick? My first pick for uh, for this list has been already taken. Um, but I will substitute in another game that I'm almost certain that neither one of you will have played, unfortunately. Um, so for my first pick, I'm going to go with 2013's Killer Instinct on Xbox One. You are certainly correct in surmising that I never played it. <laughs> Likewise. Um, um, I think it's fair to say that neither me nor Will are fighting one-on-one fighting game fans particularly. Or even multiplayer, like more than two players. I've I've not heard of you two being big fans of Smash either. Um, but okay, so Killer Instinct. It was a project which never looked like it was ever going to happen because the last Killer Instinct before that was on the N sixty four, which was KIA two, um, and it just never looked like it was going to happen. And then they not only announced that it was going to happen, but they announced that it was going to follow a sort of free to play model of some sort. Uh, where certain characters would be available each week and that would rotate around. Whereas you could just download the game for free and just continue to play it like that. But what they did with this game, they created something that was so unbelievably in-depth for a fighting game with like with, with so many things that you could do in it. But yet they made it feel exactly like the originals, but an updated version, which is quite hard to do, to be fair. Street Fighter have stumbled massively over that this generation so, as well. I, 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 while I haven't played this version, I did play the original on the SNES, going okay. way, way back. Um, which was not a game that I purchased, but my, my SNES was a... Uh, uh, my childhood SNES was second-hand, so it just came with a bunch of random games that the previous owner had owned, and one of them happened to be Killer Instinct. And I did, you know, I kind of enjoyed it, um, but I certainly, yeah, like you said, not played, not played the remake. Out of interest, who who, who developed the the new the new version? Oh fuck, I, I should know that. Um, I'm assuming it wasn't Rare. <laughs> uh, Rare had a say in it, but they didn't develop it, if I remember correctly. Um, sorry, I'm going to look that up whilst I'm on the podcast because um, I did my research, but not that much research. It was Double Helix Games. Okay. Um, I'm they right did saying have... that Rare did the original, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. Um, but Rare were involved in, in the remake too, but it was Iron Galaxy and uh, Double Helix. Um, but... The thing about the game is that, um, much like the original one that you would have played, there's like excessive combos and also combo breakers as well. So one common thing about anyone who plays fighting games is that sometimes it can feel like you are most definitely at a disadvantage. They're just wailing on you and there's nothing you can do about it. Whereas in Killer Instinct and also in the remake um, on Xbox One, you have the combo breaker. You can break out of a combo. If you, if you can correctly work out what the next move your opponent's going to do you can break their combo off at that point um which is genius and more games should have something like that but then killer instinct 2013 introduced 
shadow counters, so you can counter someone's shadow, so special moves as well, as well as um, you can, if you press the wrong button, if you're trying to do a combo breaker and you press the wrong button, you then yourself get stunned and opened up to more damage. So there's the risk reward as to whether you want to try and break the combo and hope you're right, or if you try and do it and you're wrong, you are more fucked than you would be if you just Uh. accepted it as it was. So there's that. Plus also the game was, or at least up till season two, the end of season two, the game was composed by Mick Gordon of Doom and Doom Eternal fame. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, more recent Doom games. And the soundtrack is incredible. Um, I watched several sort of documentaries on how they compose this. One of the songs took months to compose because they had to pull in so many disparate elements from different countries, an instrument that is incredibly hard to find because it involves an actual human ribcage. Like, yeah, there's a song which, when you hear it, you're like, oh, that sounds like someone's playing a ribcage. They are playing an actual ribcage. And... Mm -hmm. All of the music just has such a phenomenal um, and a, a, a thing that get fighting games don't use enough, in my opinion, dynamic aspect to it. So the faster the action was on screen, the faster the song would go. And if it, and if you slowed down to not moving, instruments would slowly be removed from the mix until silence. And okay. it worked like that, and it worked so well. Um, but yeah, if you have an Xbox... Uh, Xbox One, um, or you know the upcoming Xbox Series X, maybe um, it's on Game Pass. There is no reason to not give it a try, and also it has a fantastic assist mode as well. So you could, even even if you're a beginner, you can string together relatively decent combos and combo break and all of that shit without having to worry about the really stupid complex inputs. Play it, you know you want to. <laughs> Stunned silence from, from Will and myself, uh, just as, as as two people who have never really been in <laughs> the fighting games, I guess. I'm hoping I've not put another fighting game in my list. <laughs> um, so on to Will. Pick number two, please. So pick number two from me is Mario Kart 8, um, which Ooh. I think is one of the finest kart racers the world has ever seen. Um, and I played that game to death on Wii U. I played it and played it and played it. Um, yeah, and I think I find it really interesting. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of discussions are starting to do the roundabout, kind of like what next for for Mario Kart. And I've heard about people's kind of saying they want a Mario Kart Ultimate or something. And I'm like, well, I don't quite understand why, because this is, I don't know where it goes next, because this, this game just seems so perfect, um, so fluid, brilliant roster of characters. Um, brilliant twists on on tracks that you could feel nostalgic about, but they they were somehow new and fresh, um, and a soundtrack that was absolutely astonishing. Hearing Moomoo Meadows um, played by an orchestra for the first time, um, <laughs> as opposed to just just you know horrible horrible noises, um, was amazing and just blew me away. Um, yeah, and I think as well it was just nice after the gimmickry of. Um, the gimmickry of Mario Kart Wii, as much as I actually quite enjoyed Mario Kart on the Wii, um, it was nice to get back to one that was just about joysticks and buttons. Mm-hmm. I can't disagree, and I think like 
like most, if that, if not all, Mario Kart games, Nintendo just know how to bring the fun. Mm-hmm. They, you know, as kart racers, they they handle well. They're fun to play. There's, you don't feel like you don't entirely feel like you don't stand a chance because there's there's always that chance when you're in, you know. 12th position, 8th position, that you're going to get a star or a bullet bill or something that's going to pull you up a few places. You know, even if you don't necessarily come first every time, there's always yeah. that element of at least I, at least I'm having more fun when I'm in 8th because I get the fun items. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I also, one of the things I really, really like about um, Mario Kart 8, and there's not a lot of it, but there's the odd one here and there. Were those um, those longer form races um, that they right, Where designed. it's not three laps of the same track. Exactly. Like, like it's the downhill. three sections. And that's exactly the one. The one that goes down, um, I think it's Wario Mountain or whatever it is, the snowboarding one, is so much fun. And it's just like joyous. And you start by jumping out of the, jumping out of the plane that's let its thing down at the... And, and the essentially reworked... Down reworked uh, uh Rainbow Rainbow Road from, from the N64. Yeah. yeah. So it no longer lasts absolutely forever. <laughs> Which is also joyous. Yeah, I mean I mean what could what can they bring to a, a new version of Mario Kart? you know more more customization, more characters. Um an actual actual very, very, very good battle mode again. Yeah. As opposed to just a battle mode that's yeah. more yeah, mm. uh, you know customization in choosing what what uh you know uh items you're going to allow in a given match i guess possibly a custom track designer dare we dream uh, super mario kart maker is yeah. basically what you're asking yeah, for why not why not super mario kart maker is the next mario kart game well i mean what they have done as, as the next game was um you know, as it turned out, Mario Kart Home Circuit Live Tour, or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> so they went in a very different, which I guess had its own its own circuit builder. Yeah, if well, one wants to look at it that way. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I also just feel like I think I think as much as I hear people talking about, surely we have to have another Mario Kart. I think it's going to be a while, um, and I honestly don't know if actually we'll see another one on Switch other than the port of Mario Kart Eight Deluxe because. Um, it's selling like hotcakes, so I don't really know what incentive there is for Nintendo to go out and do one when they could, they could create one and hold it in the bank, and it, it could be a launch title for whatever comes next. Yeah, can't disagree with that. I mean, the thing, um, the thing personally that I really liked about Mario Kart Eight on Wii U is the game was incredible on launch, and then mm-hmm. part way into part way into it, they released the DLC, and the DLC was incredible. the The Hyrule Castle track. Yeah. is still an excellent addition to Mario Kart. Um, and the same with adding the Excitebike one. It's a, it's a relatively boring um, course overall, but like it has so many interesting little elements that they just sprinkle throughout it randomly. Um, and obviously the F-Zero track. So yeah. like really, like the, there's obviously the possibility there for a, a Nintendo Kart, but um, they don't need to. As you say, Mario Kart 8 was fantastic and it still is um and yeah i i i've bought it twice like i bought it again on switch like i think i've Mario actually Kart 8 is... three times which is slightly, slightly astonishing 
I'm pretty sure that we have since we when we first got a second switch, we got a second copy. So that if we wanted, we could we could play together on separate switches. It's a good game. Why not? Yeah, like Barricade Eight is a fantastic, fantastic game. So, so Will? No, not Will. Will just spoke. Mark, <laughs> me. Well, I think it's probably going to come as no surprise to people that know me that uh, my next game of the generation is Marvel's Spider-Man. No, I, I know that surprise. There is just, the whole game aside, just pure joy in swinging around New York City as Spider-Man. I mean, that is enough for me. That is enough for that to be the game of the generation. Just the joy of swinging around New York City as Spider-Man. But on top of that, um, the way that it takes, you know, familiar Spider-Man tropes, you know, twists and turns that you, you... you know, if you know anything about Spider-Man, you know that Otto Octavius is probably going to become Doctor Octopus. Um, <laughs> probably, uh, just the, the wealth of um, you know customization in, in just how many costumes are available in that game? Like twenty plus different Spider-Man costumes that have been pulled in from TV shows and and the films and uh, you know the comics. Um, I'm not going to go into whether or not they were right or, or wrong to uh, replace Peter Parker's face for the remaster because it's this isn't about the remastered versions; it's about the original. Um, but yeah, I think if there's one small thing for me that lets it down is that the combat can be a little repetitive, but overall, that's a very minor quibble in what is otherwise one of my absolute favorite games of the past eight years mm-hmm. i mean i i take your point with the combat i think the combat isn't necessarily any more repetitive than in any other action adventure no no exactly its length um and it's great fun i agree with you like that first time i started swinging around um was just joyous and liberating and it was such a thrill yeah, and then if you couple that with the fact that um, Marvel Spider Man has some of the best iterations of those well loved characters from the Spider Man universe, um, yes, it's it, it's just an incredibly well told tale. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mary Jane Watson is spot on. Miles Morales is spot on. Uh, Aunt May, just perfect, and you know that ending genuinely made me cry. Aww. actual tears and you know I think it you know there aren't that many games that, that can make you do that I also think it was quite nice and I know I'm sure we've mentioned this on the pod before it was nice to have a a new version of Spider-Man that wasn't yet another Spider-Man origin story yeah he was <laughs> because that story Spider-Man. has been told so many times um, we just don't need to have it again it was nice not to have it. Just get into the thick of the action. Also, Peter Parker was hot. That's, you know. Peter Parker was almost we know your thoughts hot. about Peter Parker. That's not, that's <laughs> not news thoughts. on this podcast by now. <laughs> so, so, Ruben, 
choice number two for you. And this is going to please one particular audience member we have. My second pick is Hyrule Warriors on Wii U. Um, I I, I cannot describe adequately how much time I have put into that and the 3DS version of that. Um, How much I've spent playing it with friends in co-op, how much I've spent playing it on my own. There, There was something of a lightning in the bottle kind of aspect to combining together uh, Legend of Zelda and um, the Musou genre, the Dynasty Warriors series. And when it was announced, I don't think I was as sold on it as when I started playing it. And then I started playing it, I was like, this is actually fucking awesome. Um, and then I played it more, and that that just never wore off. We're, we're rapidly approach, uh, approaching the release of the next game, and I couldn't mm-hmm. be more excited. I've started playing the 3DS one again, because I don't have my Wii U anymore. And it's still as good as I remember. Like, it's got so many little, really minute, but really expressive details from the Legend of Zelda franchise that have just seeped over. Um, so... I think it's also worth saying that, um, although this is obviously... We're discounting. Uh, we're not really focusing on on handheld games. The fact that they managed to get it up and running on the 3DS is astonishing. It is. It really is. I mean, granted, on the new 3DS and not the original 3DS, but that's still not the point. Um, I mean, most of my time on this game was easily spent on the Wii U version, not on the 3DS. I've not even finished the adventure mode on 3DS because um, that map is fucking huge. Um, but like. The Wii version just had so much content and so much story. And the story actually made sense within the Zelda universe, which is nuts. And mm-hmm. the, the the characters, the new characters in the game, the existing characters that have been redesigned were all really well handled. So Impa being this kind of essentially commander of Princess Zelda's army really fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also she's probably one of the best characters in that game, Naginata for the win. Um, and Lana, new character, being great. The fact you actually got to team up with Ruto, Darunia, Midna. Like, mm-hmm. the, there's just so many great homages to the Zelda franchise in this one game that was not made by Nintendo. It was made by Koei Tecmo. Um, but it's su- it feels like such a beautiful love letter to the set, to the franchise. I'm totally with you on it on it being a love letter. And in fact, um, I've not played it on Wii U. Um, I've not yet finished it on Switch, but I'm, I'm streaming it at the moment. And just off the basis of that, it would have been my next pick because it's astonishing. Um, and I'm really, really enjoying myself. And I'm totally with you on that love letter. You know, I love, I love the way that it can jump around between different Zelda games in the series in terms of where it's drawing its inspiration and its setting from. And you suddenly notice that, that you know, oh, the Moblins look different now. The Moblins look like they should look in mm. in this in this Zelda world, not in that Zelda world. Um, and it's just great and it's just astonishing. And I just, I smile lots while I'm playing it. <laughs> I I have to confess, I never finished it. I I played it on the Wii U. I really enjoyed it. But I don't know why I didn't finish it. I think it was one of those games where I was playing it. Something else must have come along. I got distracted and just never went back to it. But 
I did enjoy it, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, Age of Calamity in a few weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I can, if I can fit that around Mars Morales and other <laughs> and other next gen goodies. Good luck to you in that regard. <laughs> can we can we also just have a moment of adoration for Linkle? Because I think I love Linkle more than I ever realised it was possible to love Linkle. Yeah. Um, I mean, Linkle was, I mean, technically speaking, she was introduced in the 3DS version, but you can get her, I think it's through DLC on the Wii U version. So yes, by all means, Linkle is the best. Linkle's amazing. Um, and I love that she is not just a female link um there's so much more to her and so, so on to death, will which i think is really really great i uh i didn't realize that she was so much of a developed character in all honesty i assumed having not played the dlc and only played a bit of the original that she was essentially just a female link she's a bit of both i think's the best description um because she is like not to not to ruin anything in case people do want to play Hyrule Wars, but she believes that she is the next hero, the hero incarnate. Right. Um, because that's what she was told when she was younger, that she was the hero incarnate. So she believes she is. Um But yeah, she's she's a fully fleshed out character in her own right. She's not just a female link. Um They could have done her a lot more service, I think, by not calling her Linkle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. But um, but what are you going to do? Yeah, it it does make her sound like she's just like an old version of a character, admittedly. Mm. When she's really not. I mean, for one, Link can only use one crossbow at a time. What a fucking loser. Um, <laughs> so, Will, your third pick? Okay, so my third pick is... Um, now I've jumped over what would have been my third pick, um, is another game that would please both of you. Most definitely, uh, my third pick is Near Automata. <laughs> <laughs> we see excitement from Ruben. Excitement from Ruben. He's literally just clapped at the camera excitedly so that I can see his clapping. Um, also, also ruining my fucking picks as well. <laughs> well, you've just taken one of my picks. Okay, so yeah. it's just like, if I've taken two of yours now. We're just like toing and froing, taking each other's picks. Um, and I'm over here on my own with my own little collection of games, but that's fine. <laughs> um, it's just, I mean, like, what a what a world, for starters. You know, that world is astonishing and it is haunting and... And... Oh, I just don't even know where to start. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And... Um, I actually regret it took me as long to get around to playing it as it did. And I'm very grateful to you, Ruben, for finally giving me a copy um, and forcing me to get around to playing it because um, it's got really fluid combat. The combat is so much fun. Um, It's got a story that's really, really gripping and moving and twisty and turny and all the sorts of things that you would want from a story. It's got a soundtrack that is is God-tier, um there's no other way of describing that soundtrack um yeah it's just astonishing and i i I think i have to thank uh quiz at play for making me go back and play it for my backlog bingo if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have gone gone back to it 
I think. And uh, I really enjoyed my time playing through it. Have you made it all the way through to endings? I, I, have, now? I have done endings A, B, C, D, and E, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Just to where last time we discussed it, you weren't quite there yet. But um, I, I have... frustrated at hacking, which I will agree that the hacking can be a bit frustrating. But I got that bit. I got that done, and then it was fine. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I'm fully with you. I, I I put it down first time I attempted to play it. Went back to it as part of backlog bingo, and absolutely loved it. It is an incredible game. Um, I, I, there's, there's honestly not much I can add to it that Will and Mark haven't already said. It's, be, it's, it's one of the must-play, I would easily say, of this generation. Like, mm-hmm. transcending even personal taste. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, 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 it straddles multiple genres. Um, it doesn't really stick to a genre at any given point. It will bounce all over the place. Um, the story is fantastic. The characterization is amazing. Um, the sheer flexibility of what you can do with your character and the kind of chip system is fantastic. You can make yeah. yourself the most OP fucker in the universe. Oh yeah, or... I was definitely there. And I think I, th- I think once you get your head around the the, the chip system and also the uh, what do they call it combining or, or merging of the chips to, to make more powerful versions. Once you get your head around Fusing. how that works, yeah. which it, it doesn't necessarily explain particularly well, but I think when, once you understand it, the flexibility it gives you is is amazing. Yeah, and it's just so much, it's just please, please, please developers of all types making games of all types please can we have more of things like that and less of things where you're just giving me skill points for the sake of giving me skill points and I'm just plodding through a skill tree um, because I'm just bored of that. I want, I want something more interesting. The fact that you can, you can fully customize, you know, your your play style, and there's no there's no penalty for trying something out either. You can stick a chip set, you can stick a chip in, have a play with it, see if you like it. If you don't, take it out and put something else in, and there's no punishment for that. I mean, there's punishment for one particular chip, but I don't think you would have done that. I I do know. I think I know which punishment you're talking about <laughs> the instant death one yes the instant yeah. death punishment for removing a particular chip yes <laughs> but that's your there's, an, there's an ending linked to it yeah you get, you get an actual ending for, for for doing that but that's your Kotaro down to a fucking t really having an instant death chip <laughs> um and of course but... you're going to hear much more about near over the coming weeks and months on the podcast as well because we're excited to have near what, what have they called it in the end? It's not get near gashed out, is it? Why have I forgotten? Replicant. Near, uh, near replicant version. Near replicant version, whatever. Yeah, silly number. Um, yeah, you are going to hear a lot more about near. Um, and also, near obviously is continuing in Final Fantasy fourteen. We've still got one, one more set of raids. Um, and oh yeah, uh, just, just, just like more than more than any other thing. Like Near Automata is one of those games that I really wish I played on launch. I wish I was there at mm-hmm. the beginning rather than catching up to it a little bit later and 
just having that such an emotional experience that no one else was going through at the same time. So I was just like, I need a hug um, <laughs> and not having anyone around me for it. So um, that would have, yeah, that would have gone down a lot better. Uh, but oof, what a pick. What a pick. You heard it here first, listeners. Ruben needs a hug. So um, if you see him. Uh, obviously not at the moment because that would not be socially distanced when when pandemics no longer exist yeah yeah if the if the pandemic's over and you see me at an event just mention near automata and then hug me (laughs) Um, because i will need it because i will have remembered um so mark yes i'm having a look at what's left on my list and I, i i've noticed that um a lot of the games that I'm picking, if not all of the games that I'm picking, have interesting or fun places, worlds to explore. And I think my next pick is no different. Um, despite the controversy some may or may not have invented around the upgrade of this game to next generation, I'm picking Control as one of my games of the generation. Okay. I haven't played it. Tell me more. Likewise, I haven't played it, but hear many people talking about it enthusiastically, which I assume I will hear now. Yes. <laughs> so, um, how how to describe Control? It On the face of it, it's a, it's a very kind of standard-looking third-person shooter. Um, you are investigating the Bureau of Control, uh, which is a a, a, a government agency that has set up shop in uh, a building in, in New York called the Oldest House. Um, and as you start exploring this building, what you discover is that not everything is, is quite as it seems. You, you'll, you'll run down corridors and the building will shift and change around you. You'll turn around and what you thought was behind you is no longer behind you. Um, and all of this is kind of done with this amazing kind of brutalist architecture, this big concrete building, um, flashes of green here and there, um, and it looks astonishing. Um, and yeah, I just it's just one of those places that's just so much fun to explore. Um, and the story kind of teases out um, why this building is, is, is kind of reshaping itself around you, how that ties in directly with your character. And as you go through, you sort of, you also start gaining um, abilities, uh, you know, the ability to literally pick up bits of the environment around you and throw them at yourselves, pull up concrete and and, uh, desks and and filing cabinets and and create a shield out of these objects in front of you. Um, And even your weapon is, it's not a standard weapon. You you get one weapon at the start of the game and that's it. And that weapon, Instead, you can unlock transformations for it. So it turns into different types of weapons. So whether you want it to turn into a, a, a revolver-type weapon or a submachine-gun-type weapon, it, it's entirely up to you which which weapons you unlock based on, mm-hmm. on upgrades and things that you want to pick. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a great game. It's really well done. The, the, uh, the environment is fascinating to explore. Um, yeah, it's just great. Marcus just grinned broadly. <laughs> I have just grinned broadly. I really, really enjoyed playing Control. Um, and I I strongly uh, urge anybody that hasn't played it to, to 
to give it a look if you can. So, ultimate. Will you be getting ultimate edition or? I probably won't. Um, for the time being, um, you know, there's there's a possibility it could come to Xbox Game Pass down the line. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, in which case, I might. Um, uh, or a possibility you might pick it up in a but I actually sale when it's cheaper down the line. Yeah, because I played it on uh, I played it on PC rather than um, uh, on the console, and I've got the DLC for it. I the, the 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 PC version of the Ultimate Edition doesn't give you that. You don't need it to get that next gen upgrade because the PC version already has those extra fancy graphical effects and things like the ray tracing and stuff as part of it. Didn't know. So do you? So do you reckon it's worth playing with the ray tracing and stuff? That's the place to play it, rather than going and getting a, a cheaper copy of the of the. Um, it's a nice to have. Ascending I, version. It's an it's a nice to have, um, uh, but I wouldn't say it was a necessity. Okay. If you if if you've got a console that supports it and you buy that version of it, fine. If you've got a PC with a graphics card that supports it, it doesn't matter which version you get because it's built into the the PC version base one anyway. So. But it does, you know, it does look astonishing when you turn those effects on. It looks great. So, uh, Ruben, game number three. You all knew it was coming. Bloodborne. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course Bloodborne's in here. Um, I would expect nothing less. To to describe my my kind of relationship with Bloodborne, to tell you a little story, when I was in my third year of uni, I was living with uh, just one friend. We paid a little bit extra and we got just a two bed flat because we thought <laughs> third year, we're going to want to concentrate on work a little bit more. No, we ended up playing games all the time. That's not the point. The point is that um, I bought a PS4 in my third year of uni. So I bought a PS4 late in comparison because I was still playing my PS3. And when I did get my PS4, my housemate was like, you need to try this. And he lent me his copy of Bloodborne. I became fucking obsessed with Mm -hmm. that game. I played it through in its entirety three times in a row, back to back, (laughs) no breaks in between them. Wow. Um, completing all the DLC, um, which isn't fucking easy, I'd like to point out. And Bloodborne remains, to this day, my only platinum trophy. Now, if that isn't a, a set, you know, proof of your love of that game, I don't know what is. It was challenging. Granted, still is challenging. I've been play. I, I've played it a cup. Uh, I think once with Mark. Um, yes. It's, yes, we it's, did. it's still challenging for me now, and I have played that game through three fucking times. Um, gothic Victorian horror with Lovecraftian elements, <laughs> and it's... a and a brutal uh, and unforgiving yet fair you know it's it's hard it's difficult but 
if you die, it's your fault. It's not. It's not because the game's unfair. Oh yeah, the game is it's difficult, but it is balanced. Um, your death is your mistake. It's not the game. Um, it's not buggy like the earlier Souls games in that regard. Your 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 death is always on you. Um, and it's just whether you have the resilience, I guess, to get back up and try again. And again, um, and again, and again. <laughs> I... How many times did it take me to get past that um, that fountain bit? <laughs> the one time that I played it, I think it took me about ten attempts. <laughs> oh, when we were trying to do, and then and then we both teamed up and we defeated the boss like immediately. Well, um, you you did most of the hard work there, to be fair. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> um. But that but that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the Souls franchise in general like generally speaking it's all about resilience and just just keeping keeping going in the face of like a terrifying or uh like terrifying amounts of um like trouble and roadblocks ahead of you um but the thing about bloodborne and the thing which the the reason it's here and dark souls 3 isn't um and Sekiro never fucking will be um is the the beautiful nature in which the story unfolds itself um you don't need to tease it out as much as you have to do with Dark Souls um but there's still a lot of teasing out if you did want to do that um also the trick weapons are fucking awesome Weapons that you just snap into different weapons is just such a great concept. Hmm. Um, like like the long sword that you snap into a great sword and click it in. Just all the axe that becomes twice as long. It's, it's just it goes from a hand axe to a like fucking battle axe in like a snap motion. Um, it's just a really good game. I'd really recommend. I I, I would recommend it, but I I just don't know people's patience levels. <laughs> and won't be able to withstand it because you do have to play for a decent length of time in that game before you can even summon Clips. help. Yeah, yeah. It took a while for me to get there. Um. Yeah, we all fucking knew it was going to be there, so on my list. It's not knew. a surprise. It's not a surprise. So, Will, pick yeah, number pick... four. So I think for pick number four, I'm now... Re reshaping my list as I go because I'm, you know, always trying to work out which order to do it. And one of the game series that really defined the generation for me uh, is a series that existed long before the generation. Um, but my my experience of it is is basically all within the generation, and that is um, the Kingdom Hearts series. So I spent some time thinking about what I would like to include from Kingdom Hearts because I spent I probably spent about eight, nine months solidly playing just Kingdom Hearts games. So it really does define the generation for me. Um, I thought about whether I put the story so far, but felt that was cheating. Um, so I decided <laughs> I'm going to go with um, Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage, um, which is uh, included in Kingdom Hearts 2.8 HD Final Chapter Prologue. Um, for the... <laughs> 
wonderful names, wonderful names. Um, for those who, uh, who um, are not familiar necessarily with the Kingdom Hearts series, um, and it is a direct sequel to uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, um, uh, and bridges the gap for a specific character between that game and Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, and it is, as the name suggests, a fragmentary passage. It is a short game. Um, it's about four hours in length. Um, but I just thought it was pretty perfect. And I just love, you know, the character Aqua. Um, I love her. Um, and I found her story um, of what happened to her between Birth by Sleep and Kingdom Hearts 3 um, to be utterly moving. And I cried as the credits rolled. Um which was a combination both of of how much I had been moved by that story and the kind of strange sense of excitement and relief that um, I think three days before Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, I'd finally finally made it to the point where I was ready for Kingdom Hearts 3. So um, I can't add a huge amount to this because I've not really played the Kingdom Hearts games. Although I attempted to play the first Kingdom Hearts game it just didn't click, and I think that's partly because, for me, it didn't have that. Having not played it originally when it first came out, I don't have that kind of nostalgic love of it. Yeah. But I think something I want to pick up on what you just said about it being a short game is sometimes, sometimes that's all you need—just a perfect three to four hours. Like, yeah, this story about this character, this thing happening. You know, I can, I can point to, for example. Um, Gone Home, which is a very polarizing game, I think. It's a walking simulator, but just that little story in those like two or three hours, and the ending of that just leaves me in tears every time. Yeah. Um, it was also, it was pitched as um, you know, it's it's built in the same engine as Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, and it was pitched as it was giving you a glimpse of what the engine could do, and you know, the direction they would go in with combat, and all of those kind of things. Um and I also just, I find it's combat really, um, I mean, Kingdom Hearts combat is often very fluid, but I find um, uh, Fragmentary Passage, I find particularly fluid. I find the combat, combat just so enjoyable. And I just feel like, um, and the reason why it's on here and Kingdom Hearts 3 is not on here ultimately is because I feel like uh, a Fragmentary Passage gives you a glimpse of all the things that are good about Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> without piling in all of the extra things um, that Nimura, really like Nimura felt he would just keep piling on top and on top and on top. Like, God only knows why I, in Kingdom Hearts 3, have a really, really OP move where suddenly I'm on a teacups ride and I'm using it to attack enemies. Um, it's just got a bit ridiculous when you think, oh, the log flume ride. Why are we bringing Disney rides into this? This is just taking it to a whole other level of ludicrousness. Um, and I did, yeah, the, the Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts three itself, I found, um, had too much going on in its combat, too many different kind of like special moves that you could pull out constantly that actually made its combat less satisfying, um, because you could just nerf a load of stuff. Um, whereas in, in Birth by Sleep, I found it, I found it much more kind of drilled down to its essentials, its bare bones. I have nothing to add either, by the way. I, I, I know I've not spoken in a while, but I've not played since, I think, 
I've played like the first six Kingdom Hearts games, but then after that, I'm just like, I really, this is too much Nomura for me. Uh, I will, <laughs> I, I will, I will go back. Um, I, I will go back and I will play them, and I will play them from the beginning. I have the story so far. Like, it's uh-huh. it's it's on my agenda, and I do. Unlike Mark, I do have the nostalgia for Kingdom Hearts One, so I will be able to work my way through it. It's not going to be too much of a stretch. Um, but you know what? I just, it just got so convoluted and that's why I just couldn't, I, I just could when I saw, when I saw final chapter uh, 2.8 HD final chapter prologue on the shelves, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, that was my response rather than going, oh, this sounds like an interesting game to pick up. I saw it and I was just like, ah. 2.8, you prick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean the numbering once. Once you understand the numbering of Kingdom Hearts games, it does actually make sense. Um, and you won't have seen, there's a massive joke about it at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 3 as well. Um, uh, because this is not really spoilerific. I'll say it, I'll say it. You, st- you start Kingdom Hearts 3 and it sends you off on, on this little adventure and it gives you a title card that says Kingdom Hearts 2.9. <laughs> um, so it is in between 2.8 and 3 um, which is at least poking fun at themselves and understanding that this is slightly ludicrous yeah, but making a joke doesn't make it better <laughs> <laughs> so Mark your yes. next pick my next pick um, so my next pick is uh, well it, it's another it's another fun world to explore. Um, my my next pick is Dad of Boy, or is it more commonly known as God of War for the PS4? You have got a lot of heavy hitters. On your I've list. I've gone for it with this this list. I've really gone for it. God of War. Um, so I know this is on your backlog bingo list will yes and i i know you have attempted it once before yes i spent about um, two and, and you, to three you, hours you playing nope, and got frustrated you, you noped out a bit of it um it does take a little while to get used to the combat um but that fucking axe is great it's brilliant throwing that axe having it come back to your hand like it's fucking thor's hammer brilliant um and i just think the the way that it slowly explores the relationship between uh, Kratos and his son um, and the way it opens up that kind of Norse mythology into the God of War universe. Um, it's just it's just really well done. I, I loved exploring around uh, in, that, in that universe and the... Um, just the way that it weaves that North mythology uh, around Kratos and his uh, his adventures with his son, and sort of what happens to his wife slash the mother, um, uh-huh. you know, trying to you know trying to spread those ashes at the highest point in not just the world but in all the realms. Um, it's I think it's just a really moving story overall. And I think that's why I really enjoyed it. Uh, Once again, not played it. Don't have 
anyway, <laughs> I've, I've not played any God of War games. I I will admit I I'd never I have never actually played any before I picked up God of War on the PS4, um, and initially it was actually a bit of an impulse purchase. I saw a bunch of other people had picked it up. I thought I, I got a bit of FOMO about it, so I thought fuck it, I'm just going to go buy it. I bought it, just loved it. So when PS5, I, I will launches... share my thoughts in time to come <laughs> on on God of War. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm hyped about the sequel that's coming. Um, and I believe the God of War is part of the PS Plus collection. It is, it is yes. Indeed. Yeah. And so anyone with PS Plus can play it without any additional charge on their PlayStation 5. That's on my list, I think. God of War is definitely on my list to play. It should be. It's great. Just because I missed it entirely and... I guess I should play Last of Us, um, but that can wait. Have you not played Last of Us? No. Neither okay. of them? No. I've played one, I still haven't played two. But there we go. If we talk Last of Us, then we're going back another generation, so moving <laughs> Well, remastered, <laughs> though. That counts. Does it, though? I've very much gone in the other direction and taken the original console that games are on as opposed to the one they ended up on afterwards. Uh, right, Ruben, pick number four. Yep, so my pick number four was Neo Automata. So I've substituted in one of my uh, late game subs, I guess. Um, and my fourth pick is going to be East 8 Lacrimosa of Dana. Um, Which I've still not played, but everyone tells me I would love. So I look is forward to hearing so, what you have it, to say. It is so good. I mean, it, it's really filling in that, that JRPG nonsense title really well. Oh, yeah. Like, like the, the, the East games often do have stupid titles. Uh, and East I'd be happier if it... I'd be happier if it were East eight seven point five two three <laughs> nine one one eight seven recurring. Final chapter prologue. Um, Lacrimosa of Dana. And um, so Lacrimosa of Dana is a JRPG in in almost every sense, apart from the fact that the battles aren't turn based or locked into an arena at all. In fact, you fight in the area you, you are, and it's all action action combat. Um, playing as the always infinitely handsome adult Kristen. Um, you are on a ship for a reason that I can't remember. Some Probably some conceited bollocks reason. Um, that crashes. MacGuffin. A MacGuffin um, of some kind. And the boat crashes and all of you get... Um, and you and everyone else on the ship gets uh, marooned on an island that is known to be cursed. And from then on, you you really only have two objectives. Find the survivors on the island, build a ship to leave it. Um, and the thing I really like about East 8 is not only the fact that Adol and Dogi, I think his best friend is, are both hot. That's a bonus. But it's the fact that everything in that game revolves around the conceit of escaping the island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Every sub, like every so, every like side quest you have for an NPC involves kind of collecting wood to make the bow or the stern, or 
collecting food for the provisions once you get the ship up and running. Everything all feels like it's got a purpose to your end goal. Yeah, everything everything you do has a purpose towards getting you to the end, Um, as opposed to just like oh, mail these papers for me. It has no fucking bear of relevance to what's going on. There's a meteor in the sky, you cunt. Um, Like, it doesn't have that normal JRPG conceit of, like, complete banal bullshit. Um, Everything actually has a purpose. The music is incredible. The graphics are great. There's a a few performance issues on the Nintendo Switch version, but the PS4 version does not have that. Um, And... Like, East Nine's coming next year. I'm so excited. It's got another stupid title. Um, but it's just... Do they, a... do they follow the, the Final Fantasy rule of each number is, is not related to the previous ones, or is it an ongoing story? It's it's a bit of both. The main character is always the same guy. So the main character is always adult. Right, Okay. Um, so basically, the East series is essentially the continued adventures of Adol Kristen. Okay. Um, and East, East Nine is no is no exception. It's Adol being locked in a prison. Um, but it's just a really well made game. Um, there's also like a, a weird sort of time element. So there's a character that's trapped somewhere in time. Uh, who kind of sends sends you messages through time? So she plants, she plants kind of like flowers to kind of help you in the future, and you're able uh-huh. to kind of almost psychically communicate with her, um, and that's great as well. And she's actually quite a good character. She's not as fan servicey as a character like that would normally be in JRPGs, um, but yeah, it's just it's a really good game, and also it's one of the few it's one of the few video game soundtracks that I just put on. To listen to it's just that it's just that sort of soundtrack um uh at which point i would suggest if anyone is listening to this and wants a kind of example look up i think it's called sunshine coastline um from east eight fantastic fucking track um but yeah definitely play east eight if you can find a copy because physical copies of that game ain't fucking easy to find um, and also, it very rarely goes on sale for whatever reason. But it's a really good game if you can find a copy. It's it's on my um, watch list on the eShop in perpetuity. So at some point, I will dip on it when when I get that horrible email from Nintendo. At which point, your heart sinks and it says X X titles on your wish list are currently on sale. I'm like, no, Nintendo, don't do this to me. Um, and that's when I'm happy that I'm not a PC gamer so I don't get similar things from Steam oh god Steam (laughs) hundreds of games on Steam all the time this one game of yours from your wishlist is on sale you go and look and it's about half of your fucking wishlist you're like you said one (laughs) (laughs) Um, your final of your first five picks final of my first five picks so um It's, we're going with you again. Um, in fact, there, there is there is a, there is there is a bit of a theme and a thread coming through all of this um, because also we talked about um, Hyrule Warriors earlier. You talked about it, Ruben. And one of the other discoveries for me um, from games of this generation is that I actually quite like action games, um, which I thought I didn't. Um, I had 
played Bayonetta. I enjoyed Bayonetta. Um, I found it a bit frustrating, um, but enjoyable enough to go on to Bayonetta 2, um, which is the pick that I would like to make. Um, because Bayonetta 2, for me, is just... It's just brilliant. Again, it's just... Um, it's just so good. Um, the story is... I think the story actually is... I found the story less confusing that I found Bayonetta 1. I followed it more, what was going on. Um, but the story's great. Um, the cast of characters are brilliant. Bayonetta herself, as the the sassy witch, um, just love, 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 love. Um, again, I mean, I guess I, I'm picking more platinum, so we've got more fluidity in the combat that I really enjoy, that I find really fun. Um, it gets my blood pumping in all of the good ways. Um, it's difficult at times, but it's never insurpassable. Um, give me enough tries at something and I will get through it. Um, and it has an astonishing soundtrack and it's just dazzling. And it's just, it's just like, it's like getting on a roller coaster ride, um, and just going up and down, um, and enjoying those thrills. And yeah, it's just brilliant. And it's one of those games that is still floating in the back of my mind that maybe I would like to go back and try and ramp up the difficulty and, and try some more stuff and see how far I can get. I literally agree with everything you said about Bayonetta 2. Um, absolutely phenomenal game. Played it on the Wii U, played it again on the Switch. It's just a great game. Um, the thing that I really appreciated about Bayonetta 2, in fact, two things. Um, firstly, the refinements they made on the combat from yeah. 1 to 2. So yeah. good. Like The game went from being a fairly enjoyable combat game to a phenomenal yeah. combat game. Um just and to be clear, addition... when I took when I talk about one being frustrating, that was largely around the combat. Yeah, you know, the combat just just there were the times that I died because I just couldn't get the combat right. Um, I I gave so up entirely on Bayonetta for that very reason. Yeah. So I I never moved on to Bayonetta two because I got frustrated with the first Bayonetta game to the point that I never finished it. So I can't really have any input into this conversation other than despite that i did very much enjoy her as a character <laughs> and i oh, guess and i guess character. other than that we've we've at least told you that hopefully if you play bayonetta 2 it won't have the same thing that made you quit the first one so that's possibly it's an improvement true. yes and of course uh bayonetta 3 on the way which seems about as far away as Metroid so prime 4 <laughs> So they've exciting. shown as much of Bayonetta 3 as they've shown of Metroid Prime 4, so... <laughs> and the other thing, the second thing about Bayonetta 2 that I really appreciated, but I'm not going to go into it because it goes very heavily into spoiler territory, um, but the ending of Bayonetta 2 made mm -hmm. Bayonetta 1's story better mm -hmm. retroactively. It improved mm -hmm. the story... Like, the ending of Bayonetta 2 improved the story of Bayonetta 1. Which I'm like, that is that is an incredible achievement in itself. Um but it just it it's it's one of those stories that um was made better by adding just that little bit of extra information about it. Yeah. Um and yeah, like and also the fact that they managed I I don't know how in Bayonetta 3 they're going to have that sort of escalation to 
fucking nonsense that they've had in the first two games <laughs> where the where the last couple of bosses of each game have been these completely absurd concepts i mean um, i mean you talk about an escalation of nonsense bayonetta 2 starts with you on on a fighter jet going through <laughs> going to new york it, it starts with nonsense um and then backs off a bit and then just ramps it up again um, in fact, if to, to continue the the roller coaster analogy, it's like one of those roller coasters where you come out of the station and first you go down a little dip before mm. you get to go up the lift hill. Um, um, the only two things I want to mention as well, still, I just like one: um, who doesn't love a game where you um, use your magic weave to <laughs> drag demons down into hell um, every time? Every time you do that with a boss, I just get so excited. Um, and number two, that that cover of Fly Me to the Moon is one of the most astonishing things I think I've ever heard, and I love it to pieces. Um, although, unfortunately, in my stream of Bayonetta 2, um, that bit had to be blanked out because of a, copy, a copyright request on YouTube. So um, you can't hear it on YouTube, it would seem, but it's amazing. It's, yeah, can't, can't deny it. Bayonetta 2 is great. Can't wait for the third. Mark, your final of your main picks, if you please. Yes. So my shortlist is is six games. So I, I'm, I'm now deciding between one of two options for this final pick. But I think what I'm going to go for is Prey. Oh, okay. So I, I absolutely love... Um, system shock games i really loved bioshock games and prey i think falls very much into the cat that kind of category it's got that um you know it's got a really interesting environment to explore it's got um sort of some light horror elements you know one of the first enemies you come across uh is called a mimic um Mm -hmm. And it can be almost any object in a room that you walk into. So, you know, it could be that suspicious looking coffee cup over there. It could be a scrunched up bit of paper on the floor. Uh, you'll just be walking around and all of a sudden it will turn into one of these almost like like alien-like facehugger type things and just leap at your character. It's great. Um, the, you know, the, the world unlocks very much like it does in... in um, uh, in the Bioshock games or the System Shock games, and the story is delivered in a similar way through kind of audio logs of dead people, um, and you sort of slowly find out what happened on this space station, where these aliens came from, uh, how they relate to you and your 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 brother, and why you're there. In fact, the, the game opens up with you believing that you're um, still in New York, so. You, you kind of you wake up in your apartment in New York. Uh, you you get asked by your brother to uh, to go and do some testing ahead of you going up to this space station. Um, so you, you 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 come out of your apartment. You get on a rooftop helicopter. It flies you across New York. You land in this uh, other skyscraper. You go through and you do a series of of tests where they ask these like these psychometric things, and then it's kind of resets you. And you wake up again back in your apartment, and and but everything seems a little bit wrong. And at that point, it's and, and this is like the first I don't know twenty minutes of the game, so it's not really a spoiler. 
but you find out actually you're not in New York in your apartment. You're in a you're in a simulation of your apartment on the space station already, <laughs> um, and everything has suddenly just gone wrong. But you don't know why. Your memory's been erased. Um, and yeah, it's just and, and it's got some really inventive weapons as well. One of the first weapons you pick up is called the glue gun, um, which kind of basically fires these uh, blobs at the wall that you can use to like make platforms that you can jump up and sort of get up to different areas. There's hacking mini games. It's just uh, it's just it's just a great game. It's brilliant. And I think it's, you know, anybody that really enjoyed any of the Bioshock games or any of the System Shock games that hasn't given this a, a look really should. Okay, I'm in that camp, so I guess I'm going to be trying Prey. Well, you know, I've got a copy of it if you want to borrow it for PS4. It's also one of the very few... I, I, um, I, not shy of saying that I've, I'm terrible at first-person shooter games on consoles. I can't play them with uh, with analog sticks. If I'm going to play a first-person shooter game, I'll almost exclusively play it on PC. But this one, for whatever reason, I picked up on the PlayStation 4, um, and I I was fine with it. But yeah, if you've not played it, I strongly recommend you give it a go. It's great. Okay, will do. I'll take your advice on that one. So, your final game. My final pick. Resident Evil 2 Remake. Oh, that, that wasn't predictable at all. Good shout. It's announced, a remake done right. It is entirely a remake done right. Um, it was originally announced in 2015, and I lost my shit then. And then I saw what it looked like. I think it was at E3 they showed it finally, 2018. Um, lost my shit again. Um Resident Evil 2 is, I think, beyond any doubt, my favourite game of all time. Um, And the remake of it is just so well done. It perfectly captures the atmosphere and the tension of the original game, but yet updates it in so many slight nuanced ways and also massive sweeping ways uh, that make it so much of a remake that it's entirely its own game uh i i see like the original game and the remake as two completely different games because mm-hmm. really apart from the setting and characters they are um resident evil 2 because i went into that and i i told myself going into it this isn't going to be like this isn't going to be like resident evil 2 it's not going to be like it um Similar sort of thing with the original Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 1 Remake. So much, some of it is going to be the same, but largely you're going to be have, you're going to have the rug pulled out from underneath you and you're going to have constant surprises thrown at you. And Resident Evil Remake 2 does not, does not disappoint in that regard. Um, Made in the RE engine. So therefore all of the gore, all of the viscerality is Mm. I don't want to use the word gorgeous because that wouldn't be accurate, but it's like all of all of this all of this viscera and all of these like mangled bodies look so realistic. Um to the point it's a little bit sickening at times. Um the first the first zombie you've seen that's been attacked. Uh, I, I won't ruin it, but the first zombie that you've seen the first well, not even zombie, but the first person you see that's been attacked by a liquor 
<laughs> it's such that that cutscene is such a visceral and like almost violating cutscene. It's disgusting, um, mm-hmm. and it makes you genuinely fear these creatures. That for someone like me who play who's played the original Resident Evil Two every single year since its release, so that's like. 20 years or something like that 1990 yeah Resident like evil 2 yeah like it came out in 1998 so it's like i've played it every year since liquors weren't threatening to me anymore in the remake they fucking well are um, terrifying they, they are absolutely terrifying um and then if what? you couple with sorry go on mark sorry continue uh, i was gonna say once you couple that with the the fact they brought in several sort of ideas from resident evil 7 the ideas that worked well, like the way that the inventory system works, the way that the um, the way that you need certain items to progress through, that sort of thing. Um, you've got a game where Capcom are very clearly learned mm-hmm. from the older games and also the games that have come since, and then they've created this new thing at the end, and it just makes me so excited for eight. Um, yeah. What I like having also played both the original Resident Evil 2, but having not played it since it first came out 20 years ago, and having played the remake of Resident Evil 2 um, uh, at the start of this year, was it was like playing it was like playing Resident Evil 2 with rose-tinted glasses. Like it's everything you kind of remembered about Resident Evil 2, but how you remember it, not how it actually is. Mm. Um, which is kind of the hallmark of a great remake, I think. It does it, it. It gets rid of everything that made the original Evil Two really clunky, and gives it that fear and uh, you know that feeling you got when you played the original to twenty years ago mm. for a game that's made now. And um, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was. <laughs> I played through it. I didn't finish it because I was playing it at um, Catboy James's house, um, so I was only a- able to play it while I was there. Um, I got the shotgun way too late. <laughs> I managed to explore that entire police station and not find the shotgun until way too late in the game. Isn't it in the lockers? <laughs> yeah. How oh yeah, you can get to it really soon. I just somehow missed that room entirely. I explored all of the rest of the mansion and then looped back around to it at the end. But like the the the, the thing about like the fear and Resident Evil Two remake, um, just just the simple act of making the game start earlier than it did in two. So yeah. in in two you start in the poli- uh, outside the police station, practically. Uh-huh. Just starting it that sort of like fifteen minutes earlier or roughly like that. Fifteen minutes earlier in the evening just had you go fuck. Um, it it and then it just kept doing that the whole way through. You were going into rooms that you're like, oh, I know this room. Oh wait, this room's blocked off that it wasn't in the original. Shit, there's zombies behind me now. What the fuck do I do? Where the fuck do I go? Um, and it just did that or, constantly and messed with your preconceptions. Oh fuck, Mr. X can chase me through doors. <laughs> yeah. Oh oh fuck, I'm standing like in a random corridor. I can hear the footsteps of Mr. X somewhere. I just can't tell with the echo in this room 
where which door he's going to come through and i need to really decide um yeah it was just a constant level of fear and tension in that game that was just so well handled um and i arguably not as well handled in three remake but that's a completely different discussion so it sounds like i'm gonna have a wonderful time when you reach uh, when i finally reach 500 followers on twitch which is when i've promised i will play it you're going to love or hate it. I have not quite worked that one out yet. <laughs> okay, so just as a, just to round us off, um, does anyone have something that falls, either an honourable mention or something that falls outside the rules we set? Okay, I, I've got one that I want to pick up just because I, uh, I didn't pick a single Nintendo game from my... Uh, for my list. Um, Shocking. Although I fully agreed with a number of, you know, Will's picks like uh, Mario Kart 8. Um, I, I want to throw in Super Mario Maker because that was Nintendo doing something entirely unexpected and it's just if you've got that level of creative, some of those levels that people have created with Mario Maker are just mind-boggling and bonkers and brilliant. Mm. The things people have done, they've made, you know, levels that are like a Metroid game, they've made puzzle games, they just, it's just the things people have done with this toolset that Nintendo have provided on both the Wii U and, you know, the the expanded toolkit that they gave you on the, on the sequel on the Switch is just brilliant. So I wasn't a Mario Maker fan, but that's because I just totally lack the creativity. It just wasn't aimed at me i don't think um but i would just like to add to that that um you know i've i've not picked a mario either and actually mario did exceptionally well on the wii u um we've got mario maker uh we've got super mario brothers u uh as well as obviously the dlc super luigi u um and super mario 3d world um mm. You know, it's a collection of really good games um, that basically isn't a bad Mario game that came and, from, from that and, generation. And all of them are now available on the Switch. Well, except the original Mario Maker, but the sequel is basically Mario Maker Plus. Well, <laughs> and 3D and World will be, is yeah. or will yeah. be available. So yes. yes. <laughs> We're waiting until ja- ja- is it January? Or February, uh, I think. February. Okay, fine. For 3D World. But I, I can't believe I forgot about Mario Maker. The moment you said that, I was like, oh, fucking yeah, of course it was. <laughs> um, I, you know, I fully admit you need a level of just create, you need a level of creativity that even I, you know, even I, I mean, I, I will fully admit I'm the least creative person in the world. But I think what people did with it really was kind of defined Mario uh, for the Wii U. And as something from me to throw out there that falls outside um, falls outside the regulations we have, um, I was kind of picking and choosing... Well, I was trying to decide between two, one of which was a fighting game, one of which is not a fighting game. Um, but in terms of how much it's impacted my gaming over, over the generation, it has to be a fighting game. Um, and... You guys, I can guarantee you have not played this game. I can gu- <laughs> Before I even say the title, I would be surprised if either of you have heard of it. Um, 
It's the Undernight in Birth series. Um, Whoosh. Over my head. <laughs> I when I was living in when I was living in Brighton, um, I had a couple of friends who were into fighting games, but I was not. Uh, not overly anyway. I played them in the past, you know, like when, when you're younger and you mess around on Street Fighter 2, that sort of thing. Uh, yep. But I'd never actually actually played a fighting game and enjoyed it. And we went to um, we went out to one of our locals that did a fighting game evening once every two weeks. And I sat down and I played a game. I had no idea what the game was called. And I played it with my friends and I really fucking enjoyed it. It wasn't until a year later when I thought, you know what? That game I played like a year ago was quite fun. And I tracked down what game it was. And it was Undernight in Birth. Um, to be more to be precise, it was Undernight in Birth exe late um of course it was yeah jrpg levels of naming oh it gets worse um it will get worse by the time i and basically i played that to death uh it was on ps3 but it came out in europe in 2015 i think so it came out in europe two years after the ps3 um no ps4 actually came out so it came out on ps3 two years after the ps4 came out which boggled me i couldn't understand it but then that was followed by um, Undernight in Birth EXE Late ST um, in 2018 on PS4. And this year we've had Undernight in Birth CLR. So Obvious. Obviously, because that, that, that's how naming conventions work in sequels. Um, <laughs> and if it weren't for that game... And, it, and if it weren't for me getting into fighting games, um, I wouldn't have gone to the fighting game community. I wouldn't have had half the friends I had in Brighton because uh, they were like most of them were fighting game fans. Uh, I was going out every single week. It was on a Wednesday, I think, Wednesday evening to go to this fighting game meetup we had in like our local brew dog in Brighton. And I made loads of friends for it and like played in online tournaments and actually went to London and competed in tournaments as well. And this one game has ended up being something that, uh, or these these three games, um, have ended up being such a fundamental part of my of my gaming history since since like twenty fourteen that if I didn't put on the, I I would be doing a disservice to myself if I didn't put them on here or didn't mention them in some way, mm-hmm. despite the fact they're not technically well the second two are but the first one was not PS four at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it came out after the generation started, so technically, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay, so I would like to give an honorable mention to Shovel Knight. Um, okay, which I think is one of the finest platformers I've played in a long, long time. Um, and yeah, I thought uh, nothing, nothing indie has made it into my list, so I thought it'd be nice to give out an indie, mm-hmm. an indie honorable mention. Um, um, yeah, Shovel Knight. I mean, actually, I do remember playing DuckTales back in the day. So um, Shovel Knight was just a lot of fun. Very similar bouncing mechanic. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And a knight with a shovel. You know, it's 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 nice to have games that have humour in them. Um, and Shovel Knight certainly had that. I mean, if if you're looking for a for for a, I know we're we're running on a lot in time here, but if you're looking for another. Uh, indie game of the generation shout out um i'm gonna have to give a nod to axiom verge of course you are 
fucking love them. <laughs> <the game. laughs> oh, Axiom Verge. What a great game that is. Like that, like that one, if I remember correctly, has one of the biggest fucking rug pulls I've ever experienced in a game. Um, in terms of, of the we- plot twist? No, of uh, that boss fight. Oh, yes. You know which one I mean. Like, it took me an inordinate amount of time to work out what the fuck was going on. Um, it was just such a cleverly handled moment. Um, oh, such a good game. <laughs> what a great choice. Any Anything else you want to call out, Ruben? I don't really have any honourable mentions, I don't think. Um... I mean, as a, I don't have an honourable mention, but I will mention another game that's um, slightly outside the rules. Fire Emblem Awakening, which came out in um, 2012. Um, I'm not sure actually whether that came out before the Wii U, so it wouldn't actually count. But this is outside the rules, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> basically, actually, let's just go with Fire Emblem modern fire emblem in general uh awakening fates uh three houses they've all just been really great games that have been really accessible in comparison to earlier games in the series um there's been some really neat kind of quirks so like the fire Emblem three houses has the uh, has the school mechanic with the three different houses um and like fates has the two completely conflicting stories where there's two families and whichever one you decide to side with is your kind of ally and the other one's your enemy um it's just, and obviously the, the romance systems, which I fucking love. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they ju- they've just been really, they, they, they've, the Fire Emblem's been really solid this generation, in my opinion. But nothing more and to add, because anything else would be going into spoiler territory for them. And also, I don't think either of you have played. No, although I was going to say, I am looking forward to, you know, as people who have listened to episode five, and if you haven't listened to episode five, we did tell you to do so at the beginning. So I don't know why you're still here. Um, Fuckers. Well, no. Yeah. As, as people who have listened to episode five will know, um, it is my backlog bingo game. So I am planning to start it tomorrow, indeed, because um, we're recording on Thursday. I don't currently work on Fridays. So my weekend starts tomorrow and I was going to dig into three houses and have my first Fire Emblem experience. Um, and I will give a final one as well, as we've all therefore kind of given... A couple, if I do that, and I will go if I go outside the rules because I don't think, as much as Mark mentioned it, that um, the Last of Us remastered fits the rules. Um, that would be up for debate, I guess. Um, but it is one of those games that certainly defined my early experience. It was one of the first games that I played on on my PS4, mm-hmm. um, and it just completely blew me away. Um, it was astonishing. Um, it was so tense. Um, it was it was a game that moved me to tears multiple times. It, it it's just yeah. I mean, like much has been said about The Last of Us. I don't think there's there's much more to be said. I've still not played The Last of Us two or even bought it. Um, so I will have to do that at some point. Um, 
Last of Us Part game. Two was is is one of the other games that was on my long list that didn't quite make the cut. Um, and yeah, I definitely know where you're coming from with the with the first Last of Us as well. Yeah, and it just it I. I mean, and I mean, if, I mean, and if the Last of Us, if the first Last of Us made you prepare, prepare yourself for the second one, well. <laughs> and I was going to say, you know, there's been lots of talk about about pulling pulling the rug out, um, and the Last of Us definitely did that to me. In I'm trying to think how long how long that opening section lasts. You know, within about the first 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I was I was really shocked because the I sequel again does that multiple times. So. Yeah, prepare yourself for an experience. I will do. <laughs> I will have that fun at some point. And fun is a word that I use lightly. Um, yes, I, um, I, I would us, not describe. Experience. Yeah, I would not <laughs> describe it as fun in the traditional sense, but it is very much an experience, and it's very much a worthwhile experience. So that is a wrap, I believe, on our celebration of this generation. Um, the next episode, um, episode six of Queers at Play, will come out after the release. Well, after the beginning of the gen. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So yes, yeah. The next one, the next episode, we're going to be firmly into the next generation. So I. This has been a fantastic generation, so I really look forward to seeing what gets pulled out of the bag because, like, gaming has changed dramatically since 2012. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been there's been games that have really just explode like among uh, among us. Yeah, like that game has exploded this year, um, and I expect there to be other sort of games that do come completely out of the blue like that in the next generation. But we'll just have to see um but yes we have been we have been the queers at play you have been listening to our games of the generation special uh if you wanted to find out about more of our nonsense or you know just have a chat with us we're friendly folk uh you can follow us on twitter at queers at play you can join our discord server which i always forget the thing for so will (laughs) Uh, discord.quizatplay.com Thank you very much. I forget it every single... It's the simplest fucking thing, and I forget it <laughs> every time. Um, but yeah, otherwise, we will all speak to you soon. See you in the next generation, bitches. It's going to be fun. We're going to play some fucking video games. <laughs>